0: From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus
1: update for Monday, December 21st, 2020, with
0: Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax, and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers.
1: All right, variety is the spice of life. We had a little shipwreck metaphor from last show, so I thought that would be appropriate. You would
0: run with it. Just another happy <laughs> song there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, just for today. We'll go back to Lucinda to Williams. This is Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. This is the local coronavirus update for Monday. Thanks, everyone, for for being here. We are broadcasting from the Ukiah Studios, so we're still going to take calls, but we have fewer lines over here, so it might be a little bit trickier to get in, but be patient, and we will pick up the the phones, and the the number here is 895-2448, but let's start with the numbers. Sure
0: so it's been kind of a schizophrenic uh COVID week uh nationally um there's been you know really good news uh, in regards to vaccine delivery and distribution and really bad news um, in terms of case numbers um, both locally statewide and nationally so the numbers we are adding on average uh since last wednesday for last week we're averaging about 36 cases a day in this county Uh, We've added nearly 180 since last Wednesday's show, bringing the total um, case count up to 2,230. Nearly 40,000 tests have been run. Um, Over 2,100 are still pending. We have 321 active COVID cases in the county right now. The small spot of bright local news is we still are not experiencing any sort of crushing demand on health care services in the county, um, which is great. It just hasn't happened yet. It was looking kind of grim uh early last week and it really has kind of stabilized uh in the last week or right now um seeing 11 people hospitalized in the county with uh three in the icu which is entirely manageable there's still certainly still room to accommodate more there Positivity continues to inch upwards. We are at 5.23% in the county of Mendocino. That, as high as that is, that is less than half California's average positivity, which is 12%, a mind bogglingly large 12% of COVID tests are coming back positive in California right now. Uh, So we are sitting um, about 38 um, cases per 100,000 per day in Mendocino County. Sonoma is 58. Napa is 68. San Francisco is about the same as Mendocino and California on average, if you can believe this, is 140 um, cases per 100,000 people per day. Um, So that's just that's just a really high um, positivity rate.
1: Where are those cases coming from?
0: Mostly Southern California. Um, so the, the, the Sacramento Valley just east of us is about three times our number. They're seeing about 100 cases per day per 100,000 up and down the Sacramento Valley, just the northern Sacramento Valley. The southern Sacramento Valley in Los Angeles and the Inland Empire, their case counts are 140, Some are over 200 uh, per 100,000 per wow. day.
1: And how does the Bay Area compare to Central and Southern California? Well, I
0: mean, San Francisco is um, about the same as Mendocino, so we're there. I think exactly at 38 per hundred thousand. Okay. Um, They're a little bit better than most of the Bay Area counties. Marin County is actually quite a bit better than than us or San Francisco. Alameda and some of the other counties are a little bit higher, but much, much better. It's it's sort of a yellow orange rather than the deep purple on the heat map that we're that we're seeing. Is
1: it true that California as a state right now has the highest fastest rate of infection anywhere in the world or is that just some internet thing that I saw.
0: It, it may be by some metrics. I mean, there's certainly other states that are also seeing similar numbers, but California is certainly in the realm of the worst. Um, the curve, you know, the curve on California case counts is just incredibly steep. It's, it's straight up right now. And we're seeing on average over 40,000 cases in California per day right now, uh, which is just...
1: That was what we used to have nationwide. National, yeah. 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 Wow. And,
0: and speak of national cases, we're averaging well over 200,000 a day uh, nationally. And we actually, I think had one day where we are right around a quarter million, um, this past week. So, you know, it's, it's really pretty grim. Hospitalizations are going up, um, even more than they were last week. Uh, California has currently 18,000, just about 18,000 people hospitalized with COVID, um, up another 4,000 from even just last Wednesday's show. So, Capacity, while it's still fine here, is getting really tight um, primarily in Southern California. And it skews just by population to the Southern California hospital systems. Uh, The Bay Area is actually still with sufficient capacity, which is really quite comforting for, for me and for healthcare providers up here. Uh, but you know, other things that are still predictably getting worse are the are the death counts, right? It's the lagging indicator, and we are seeing, on average, around 3,000 people dying a day from COVID uh, nationwide. Um, so, you know, in the last five days since our last show, I think we've had over 14,000 people die from COVID um, just in this country alone. But that's the bad news. So I, I said it's been sort of a schizophrenic week. But the the good news is vaccine, um, both. Uh, testing uh, trials and deployment is um, proceeding really better than anybody dared to hope. Um, You know, as as I think most people know, we have the vaccine now in the county and it is being delivered. Um, I got my shot on Thursday.
1: You are a star of the small screen. We watched you get your shot screen. on Facebook. Well, the you, county you, live I streamed could think it. of
0: other things I'd rather watch, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a, a sick thing to watch you get your shot. But hey, you know, I didn't think you and Dr. Lawada would actually follow through on taking the picture. So I wanted yeah, to make no. sure you got that shot. So how was it?
0: It was. I mean, it was actually. I mean, I was in the middle of a shift, so I, I ran over, got the jab, and ran back to work. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I didn't really have a lot of time to emotionally internalize it. But it's you know, no it's tears. Pretty impre- yeah, no tears. But it was pretty impressive. I mean, on on further reflection, it's pretty astonishing that we've gone in nine months from having a novel incredibly deadly dangerous virus that takes over the entire world we are now deploying a vaccine that can stop it cold in its tracks in the city of ukiah i mean that's just astonishing it really sort of reaffirms one's faith in science if not you know government or big pharma and did
1: you feel sick afterwards do no, you have not any sort all. of re- reaction no, to it? not
0: at all. It was it was like any other shot, frankly. Um, a little bit of a bruise in my arm. A lot of the other healthcare providers who have had it, and I've been working with them over the last four or five days, um, also have had the same sort of just tiny bit of soreness, not even as bad as a tetanus shot, kind of like a flu. Just like a little
1: tenderness. The
0: booster well- shot does tend to... From what we see, um, create a bit more of a, a viral type of flu, a mild flu-like illness.
1: No, and it's supposed to take a couple of weeks to actually result in some sort of immunity, right? It's not instant.
0: Correct. It's you know we it's still fairly the data is not really um, refined yet, but from what we can tell. It, seems that the first shot um, really starts to kick in and give you some robust immunity after about 7 to 10 days. Oh. Um, and the booster shot just brings it all the way up to the 95% number that we've been banding about. But the the single shot, actually, after a couple of weeks before the booster, um, probably brings you up into the 80 sort of range. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very... And the Moderna, we think, probably relies on the booster a little bit more. But all this data is still you know, being analyzed and gathered. So while we're talking about vaccines, though, I mean, the questions that a lot of us have is really, you know, what's what's the durability of the vaccine? Like how long does this give one immunity? And we don't know the answer to that, but the, The data that we're seeing and the sort of more prolonged response that we're seeing out of the people who were involved in the early trials of this back in September certainly are continuing to show robust, active antibody response. Um, Does it mean that I can take my mask off? No, not yet, unfortunately, because we just don't know whether people can have what we call silent transmission, whether I can get the virus, carry it and shed it, and just not have a reaction. Uh, We don't know that yet. I suspect, as we gather this data, that actually the vaccine produces enough immunity that we will not shed live virus if we're exposed um, after a full vaccination series. But we don't know that yet. So for the time being, anybody who's fully vaccinated will still have to adhere to the COVID rules.
1: And we appreciate that. Those of us who aren't yet able to get vaccinated.
0: Yes. Well, you know, it's 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 coming. Um, it's just gonna take a while to get to everybody.
1: Yeah. Well, so there's a little bit more vaccine news, right?
0: Yeah, so Moderna, the sort of the other big leader, um, another uh, messenger RNA vaccine out of the the drug company in my fair city of Cambridge, Mass., um, got approval, I think, on Friday evening, um, emergency use authorization, and they have a lot of doses, um, and those doses actually have already shipped Um, I think California's already received about a quarter million and they're due to get another quarter million doses, um, either tomorrow or the next day. Um, so that's very good. Um, Johnson and Johnson, sort of the huge farm, uh, company that's been developing a, a DNA vaccine. Um, they completed enrollment in their phase three clinical trial, which is great. Um, and, you know, sort of the twisted perversity of all of this, um, virus that we are spreading in this community is they're gonna very quickly get to the numbers they need to be able to finish their trial. So I suspect that they will um, conclude their phase three early January and they have a capacity to make a million, do- I'm sorry, a billion doses of the vaccine.
1: Oh, a billion, a billion, billion with a B, with that, a is B. that is impressive.
0: There's a lot of vaccine. Wow. So how many get distributed to the United States is an open question, but it would be a
1: huge
0: um, it's a big vaccine, and we're going to have that hopefully by mid-January.
1: Have it in hand.
0: Well, have it approved, yeah.
1: And so is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, is that one that, that requires the deep freeze and all that stuff? No, is and the stable? Moderna
0: actually is also more stable. So the, the Pfizer uh the BioNTech pfizer vaccine i really pfizer gets the credit only because everybody recognizes their name and the but the company that really developed it's this german small german company um the pfizer vaccine is uh fairly unstable mrna vaccines mrna is a single strand um molecule and so it's it's unstable it's it's very fragile and our bodies. Break them down very quickly when we make our own mRNA, um, and so that's why they have to be refrigerated um, to very low temperatures. You know, the the Pfizer one needs to be 70 to 80 below zero Celsius, so dry ice type of temperature. The Moderna actually just needs to be in a good freezer, um,
1: like a regular old freezer.
0: Well, maybe not a propane one that we off the griders use, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a good freezer will keep it. Um, really, just needs to be four degrees. Um, below Fahrenheit, um, which is a pretty easily ach- achievable. Um, and then the Johnson Johnson, I haven't seen exactly the storage and handling, but it's gonna be a double-stranded adenovirus, so it's gonna be much more uh, robust and will probably just need to be refrigerated.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah, that's exciting. Good. Um, good. Can I ask you about one other thing in the news before we open up the phone lines? Sure. Uh, what's up with this more contagious strain in the UK? I know it's very exciting. But, well, like, as if we need, uh, like a couple weeks ago, I said it was if you know the numbers are like, people are trying to get this thing, and now we find out from the Trump administration that they were actually trying to make people get it. Um, but in the UK, it's like there's there's one that's even easier to catch. We don't
0: know yet, frankly. I mean, it's it's really suddenly seized the headlines in the last day or two, and there's this huge international outcry about how much worse this is gonna be. And the answer is we just don't know yet. Uh, what we do know, and I think I talked about mutations in the virus uh, probably back in the late summer. Um, But what we do know with this virus is it, like any virus, it mutates a lot. Um, And most of these mutations are silent or dumb or just don't do anything uh, one way or the other. Somehow, and for some reason, it appears that there was a uh, community or a city um, where they're doing DNA or RNA analysis of the viral strains, in Britain and somehow this virus seems to have accumulated eight mutations uh, more or less all at once with a with a large spike in cases in that community that are thought to be due to these eight mutations. Hmm. The eight mutations have been sort of tracked out and they look like they actually affect the protein spikes and it makes it easier to adhere to susceptible individuals. We don't know that yet. There's really not a lot of data um, to show whether that's actually true, Um, but it's interesting. It's concerning, Um, but still it appears that the vaccines that have been developed against the the pre-mutation virus if you will are certainly going to work against this new one as well.
1: Oh that's yeah that's good to know. Yeah. That I guess that's the next question. But it's not mutating to so so it's like a different species. It's still the same. No, viruses virus
0: just, you know, there, there are literally hundreds or if not thousands of strains of COVID coronavirus now, and they're all just, you know, sort of mutating at their own pace, which is, you know, like any virus, it's pretty regular, um, but they don't really, they don't, they're silent. They don't affect its function. So this is not mutating into something else. It's just mutating into a different version, which may or may not be more readily transmitted. Uh We just don't know.
1: Now, do, do we get more mutations the more cases there are?
0: So that's an interesting question. There will be more biologic pressure, evolutionary pressure to um, favor certain mutations if they confer some sort of reproductive benefit, right? So if there's more pressure, evolutionary pressure on the virus, then those that have some favorable outcome or some favorable characteristic will spread more rapidly just because the pressures on them will allow them to spread whereas the ones that are not mutated will be contained. So right now we're still really not putting much pressure on this virus. There's a lot of fuel for it. Um, There's been, what, 16 million cases, 17 million cases in the U.S. out of 300 and 30 million, so it's still a very naive population that we're talking Got about. It. So there's not a lot of evolutionary pressure for it to mutate yet, but it will. And it will you know, sort of select for the more successful strains of the virus as we go forward. That's
1: so interesting. So the more ability it has to, to find hosts and, and proliferate, The less it mutates? I mean, it'll mutate, but the less it'll
0: it'll mutate. I mean, the mutations are not intentional, right? They're just random. They just happen. Um, But there will be more selective pressure on the ones that allow it to spread more readily,
1: become more prolific or virulent. Okay, well, the phone lines are ringing. So let's go ahead and turn toward questions from callers. Um, The phone line here is 707 895 2448. That's 895 2448. Four, eight, and be patient with us. I think we have one phone line, so that we'll get to you uh, as soon as we can. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. You really are. Okay, well, that didn't work. 895-2448. Four, four, Call back, caller, and we will try that again.
0: So while we're waiting for that caller to come back online, um, I was talking about what we don't know about this vaccine yet. And, you know, one, one other question, which is a critical question, we have some data around the Pfizer vaccine, um, but the question is sort of how... Um, efficacious it's going to be for the more elderly uh, populations and that's that's really where it needs to work extremely well and unfortunately there have been some vaccines in trial that show um, disappointing results in people over the age of 60 or 70 Um, and those have actually been abandoned uh, due to those disappointing results but so far what we're seeing on Pfizer and Moderna is extremely encouraging.
1: All right let's see if we got that caller. Good afternoon caller you're live on the air.
2: Hi I wanted to ask if this particular of the vaccines that are coming out now will also prevent MRSA one, because they've called this um, COVID MRSA two. So uh, would it also prevent people from getting MRSA one? And I'm wondering why they uh, were able to make a vaccine for the second strain of Corona, not for the first one, or the demand was higher because there's more people getting it. And then my second question is, um, how many people in the United States have passed away from um, other viruses uh, besides coronavirus this year since it's almost the end of the year, December. Um, And my prayers are for everyone, so I don't have a hard time asking a question about how many people passed away, but I'm wondering how many did um, pass away from other viruses besides coronavirus this year. And thank you so much.
0: Okay, through, so I I just to clarify I think the callers ca- talking about the MERS vaccine, rather than MERSA. MERSA is a bacterial, typically a skin infection, whereas the MERS is closely related to the coronavirus vaccine. Um, and so, the the answer to the first question is no. This will not confer um, immunity against MERS. But we we really don't have MERS in in this country, which is fortunate. And it's a nasty virus. Um, but this is not going to protect against that. Uh, second question about fatality. I don't have that number on hand, you know, what we are seeing, you know, in terms of flu is actually quite encouraging this year. We had had we had previously had pretty significant concerns that we'd have a twindemic of flu and uh, COVID, but fortunately the masking and social distancing and everything else that we've been doing to control COVID is also working quite well for the flu. Um, But in general, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of viruses, right? So hepatitis is a now treatable virus, but people continue to die from hepatitis and HIV and the influenza and every other, you know, viral illness. There are quite a few, but those three that I just rattled off are certainly, uh, continuing to have a fairly destructive effect, um, even in this county. I mean, there are people in this county right now hospitalized with extremely serious complications from uncontrolled HIV. And, you know, that is a, that is a treatable condition. Um, And so, yes, there are other problems um, and excess mortality due to this pandemic is, you know, allowing those problems to become a bit more serious this year.
1: All right, let's take our next call. Good afternoon caller, are you still there? Here? Yes, that's you.
2: Oh, hi. Um, I heard someone say that uh, COVID is just everywhere. And so, since it's mutated and it's everywhere then it's really critical that we maintain our health as much as possible and my question today would be what what didn't we do before like for example i didn't drive with my mask on um should i i mean the minute i hit the outside should i be wearing my mask
0: well I mean, you don't need to, if it's your own personal vehicle. I mean, I, I take my mask off when I'm in my own car. Now, if you're driving a, a business car or corporate car that's used by others or shared with other people, then yes, you should wear your mask. I don't wear my mask when I am at home or outside at my home. But if I'm on the streets of Ukiah, then yes, I wear my mask, and everybody uh, should do likewise. But COVID is everywhere. It sounds like we could do some sort of Christmas carol with COVID being everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be good. But you're Very right, caller.
0: The caller is quite right. I mean, with positivity of over five percent and you know thirty-five cases a day in this county, it is everywhere. Um, fortunately, it's not quite the crushing numbers that we're seeing um, south of us. But it's still this is this is our surge here in this county. And whether it gets a lot worse, you know, it just depends on how good we are at you know masking and social distancing.
1: All right, let's take our next call. And do, um, callers, stay on. I'm going to put you on hold and then bring you up. So if I, if I pick up the phone and then you don't hear anything for a while, just sit tight and we'll get to you in a sec. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air.
2: Hi, is this me on the air? This is you. Oh, thank you. Okay. So I have uh, two questions. Um, I'm curious if people who have already had covid will require a vaccine and the impact potential impacts of that on a person's body and then the other um question i have is alicia your comment uh that i hadn't heard information about before about the administrating uh, administration hoping to spread or wanting what could you please uh, uh say more about what that was yeah that sure to? yeah so sure. good
0: good good questions um the first question about getting the vaccine if you've already had COVID. Um, The recommendation is that you should still get vaccinated. It is safe to get vaccinated even if you have had and recovered from COVID. For all I know, I mean, I've been exposed to COVID literally hundreds of times at this point. Um, I very well may have had an asymptomatic case of COVID. I don't know that. I haven't bothered getting antibodies because it wouldn't really change anything that I would do and I wouldn't necessarily believe the antibody result. But the FDA, Um, appropriately is recommending that everybody, whether they've had COVID or not, should get the vaccine. Um, And there there are two reasons for that. One is it's just it, it, it gives us some certainty um, that you are vaccinated. And secondly, the vaccine actually produces a better immune response from what we can tell than the natural immunity. It actually encourages the body or trains the body to produce more of the critical immune um, system components um, that allow a higher degree of immunity um, than natural immunity, which, you know, sort of sounds, you know, counterintuitive. You'd expect if you've actually recovered from the illness um, that that immunity would be natural. Natural and it'd be safer and it'd be better but really the safer and better immunity is the one that is induced by a vaccine whether you've already been exposed and uh, successfully fought off the the illness or not and then the second uh, thing that Alicia is referring to um, and you can take this or jump in if you want Alicia but please uh, Dr. Atlas who I've mentioned uh, several times uh, was really advocating with um, with Trump that he should just allow people or people should be encouraged uh, to get the illness um, so we can move toward this mythical herd immunity faster Um, and that's yeah, that, that really just created an outcry amongst anybody who understands or thinks about public health. This was a, an absurd and dangerous, and frankly, it was a, a suggestion um, or a recommendation of a true sociopath that unfortunately had a seat at the table for the last couple months.
1: Right. And last week, there were some papers revealed uh, from, it wasn't Atlas this time, it was Alexander, who was this, I don't know, some adjunct professor from somewhere that they brought in another one of these trump clowns and he it says we're trying to encourage as many people to catch this virus as possible mm-hmm. so if you are wondering why trump was being so cavalier about wanting to open all the schools and it starts to make sense but that yeah that so we do have some documents now from the administration advocating strongly for everybody to get the virus yeah. so that's what i was referring to all right ready for next call sure good afternoon caller you're live on the air
2: Hi, I've never heard how they tested to see whether the whether the vaccine worked. When they say you know ninety percent of the people didn't get COVID after they were vaccinated, does that mean that they were just out in their regular lives, or were they in a, an environment that was heavy with COVID and then they didn't get it, or sure, what? yeah, so that, that, that would really matter.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And the way the way these drug trials are set up. Pretty much without exemption, without exception, is they have you know a large cohort of people, volunteers, um, and half the v- people in that study group get the actual vaccine that's being studied, and half get saline or a placebo injection. And you don't know the person giving the shot and the person receiving the shot doesn't know what they're getting, so it's double blinded, a placebo controlled trial, which is the best kind of trial. And then those individuals go back into the community and do all the usual things that they do in their community. You know, presumably they are advised to continue. Um, you know, the fight, the sort of the COVID um, precautions, um, not knowing whether they actually received the placebo or the real vaccine. And then, you know, the study um, continues to monitor all these people. So it's what, 44, 42,000 in the Pfizer vaccine trial, phase three trial. So they monitor those 42,000 people every week for signs of illness. And once enough people get COVID in that trial group, they're able to um, break the codes, figure out uh, whether those people received the vaccine or the placebo, and then analyze the efficacy of the vaccine. And so that's what they did. And in these trials, both the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine, they discovered that 95% of the people who got COVID um, did not get the vaccine. Five percent of the people who got the vaccine, and I'm, you know, the numbers are not quite precise, but basically five percent of the people who got the vaccine, um, or five percent of the people who got the illness received the actual vaccine. But critically, nobody in those trials got um, seriously ill from COVID. Um, it, it was almost a hundred percent effective at preventing serious illness, which is just astonishing. And that's really how all of these um, phase three. Uh, vaccine trials are proceeding. You give the placebo, you sit back, you wait for enough people to get COVID, and then you see whether it's the people who got the placebo or the people who got the actual vaccine.
1: All right. Well, we've got about one minute left of today's coronavirus update. So we'll be back on Wednesday with more. Um, but anything in the last 30 seconds here you want to let people know before we sign off? No, I mean, just, just sit tight. We're
0: really at an inflection point in the state of California. And I really, you know, it, the, the the Calvary is coming, frankly. The vaccines are coming. And if you're at risk or if you have um high risk conditions just be really safe it's another month or two or maybe three before you get the jab but we are almost there for our high risk members of this of this county and that's that's just astonishing To you know i'm astonished that i'm saying that but yeah yeah be safe don't be don't be foolish it's not worth seeing your family over the holidays you know make it to the next holiday um and just forego this holiday season unfortunately but we are really 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 close
1: to actually getting through this all right well on that note hey that's a really positive note i know right this yeah. is wonderful yeah. so we're going to leave it at that and we'll be back on wednesday at three from three to three thirty back in the philo studio so calls will be just a little bit more elegant i think uh, but thanks so much thanks dr colfax and this is alicia Bales. stay tuned now for Yayo, which is a youth arts outreach with savannah gibson You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYX and Z
0: Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo ninety point seven FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah at ninety one point five FM, and in Fort Bragg at eighty eight point one FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at KZYX.org. you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.